ask the Lord, was there something special he wanted to say to us as we're going into a new decade and a new year? And he gave me Isaiah 33. I'm not going to go there right now. I'll go there in a minute. But he basically spoke to my heart and reminded me that he is our storehouse. He is a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge unto us. So this is the year of salvation, beloved. This is the year of wholeness. This is a year of completeness. This is a year of the coming year I'm speaking of. This is a year of fullness in Christ. This is a year of ascending into the riches of God. This is a year of tapping into the storehouse of his blessing. This is a year of walking in the divine. This is a year where the windows of heaven are open and the resources of God's storehouse are available unto us. Amen. What we need is not being hidden from us. It is available for those of us who are willing to pay the price to walk into it. And there is a price to be paid, nothing to be feared, but there is a price to be paid on our behalf. So I want to go to Isaiah 33 and verse 6. God is a sure foundation for our times. And as we firmly stand and as we get rid of some of the compromises that we've made over time, sometimes not knowing, sometimes we don't know, we don't think about the compromises that we're making or the complacency that we're, that we're in. And as we get rid of those, we will tap into his storehouse. Isaiah 33, verse 6. He will be the sure foundation for our times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So this is for every area. It says a rich store of sal salvation. First he starts off and he says, he will be the sure foundation for your times. Saints, we all need a foundation. And we need a foundation for the times. The times are becoming more and more evil. And we need a sure foundation. And he says he will be a rich store of salvation. Let me tell you what the word salvation means. It means the act of saving, preservation from destruction, danger, or great calamity. It means deliverance from enemies. It means victory. It means protection from harm, loss, risk, destruction. I'll take that. I'll take that. In the biblical sense, it means the redemption of man from any bondage of sin and liability to eternal death and the conferring on us of everlasting happiness. Who here wants that? <laughs> I do. I do. And as we come to pursue the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, 
that's what we receive. You see, salvation isn't just being saved and going to heaven. It's not just being born again. It is that, but it is salvation in every area of our lives. It means wholeness, completeness, wellness in every area of our lives. That means in our relationships. It means in our finances. It means in our health. Every area, every single area, there's nothing that's left out of this. So I want to read Isaiah 33, 6 in several different translations. In the King James, it says, I'm actually going to read 5 and 6. Oh, and by the way, I want to go back, especially for those of us who might be newly born again, when it says here at the end of verse 6, it says, The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Okay, fear there doesn't actually mean being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord means to respect him. It means to revere him. It means to honor him. It means to desire to have a relationship with him. It means to desire to know him and to be with him and to seek his presence. Psalm 34, 9 and 10 say, Those who fear the Lord lack nothing. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So how many of us here want to lack nothing? I do. I want to lack no good thing. I don't want to lack any good thing in my life. Any good thing that the Lord has planned for me, I want to be able to receive that. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. In the King James, in the King James it says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. I'll take that. <laughs> Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. In the Rotherhams it says, exalted is Yahweh. Yahweh is another name for God. It's an Old Testament name for God. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in Rotherham. Exalted is Yahweh, for he inhabiteth a height. He hath filled Zion with justice and righteousness. So shall a wealth of deliverances. Think of that term, a wealth of deliverances. Wisdom and knowledge become the stability of thy times. How many of us want to have a wealth of deliverances? The reverence of Yahweh the game is his treasure. Young's literal says, set on high is Jehovah, for he is dwelling on high. 
He filled Zion with judgment and righteousness and hath been the steadfastness of thy times. He is the steadfastness that we need. God is the steadfastness that we all need in our lives. We all have issues in our lives, up and down, things that we face every day in life, and we need somebody to be steadfast. He is the steadfastness of our times. The strength of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge, fear of Jehovah, it is his treasure. So you see, he is the strength and foundation of our times the stability of our times. And he comes to us with salvation and great deliverances, wisdom and knowledge. In the Amplified, it says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. (coughs) He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. Who needs that? Moral and spiritual rightness in every area and relation. And there shall be stability in your times and abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is your treasure and his. So what have we gathered is the key to this, saints. What is the key to this promise? It is the fear and worship of the Lord. And again, I say fear is not being afraid of because God is on your side. He is for you and never against you. His goodness is for you at all times. So when we fear him, we respect him, we embrace his way of doing things. And then his goodness is a promise. So, what does this mean to us in 2020? It means we're going to have some things we got to get rid of. Right? It means we are going to have to get rid of compromise. It means we're going to have to get rid of complacency. It means we're going to have to open our eyes and pay attention to the places in our lives where we have kind of given in or given up. Because I want the all of God. I want the more of God. I want to live an ascended life. I want to live the resurrected life that Christ died to give me. Because, you know, Christ came and he suffered a horrific death that none of us can even ever imagine. So that we could live a resurrected life. Not just when we get to heaven, but so that we could have all his goodness here. So his promise to us in 2020 is that he will be a sure foundation for our times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. This means that we're going to have to kind of get rid of a few things 
that we tolerate in our lives to displease him. Because each and every one of us in here has things in our lives that displease him. And it's time to let them loose. It's time to get serious. It's time to let go of them. It is time to give up a passionless pursuit because we serve a holy God who only wants the best for us. And he deserves that we pursue him with passion. He deserves that we pursue him with passion. This sort of like, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, whatever we do is okay, is not okay. It's not an okay way to approach life. He has a word and we need to abide by it. We need to know it. We need to understand it. We need to live by it. And when we do, what does it say? He becomes a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and understanding for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. So it's time to get rid of some of the deceptions that we're living by. Because, you know, the devil loves when you live with deception in your life. That gives him an avenue into your life. It leaves an open door. And it tears down a wall of protection that God has for you. You know, when our kids were being raised, um, we have five kids. When our kids were being raised, we basically told them once they were born again, once they had received Jesus Christ into, the, into their lives as their Lord and Savior, we basically told them, you know what? You walk now with a wall of protection around you. You walk with a wall of protection. You walk with a bubble of blessing because that's what God has for you. And God will never walk away from you, but you can make choices in your life where you walk away from him, right? Does he forgive you? Yeah, when you return to him, he forgives you. He never holds it against you. He forgives. But what happens in the meantime? What happens when we choose to walk in ways that are displeasing to him? When we choose to live in deception or we live in compromise or we live in tolerance of things or we just choose to live not in faith, it's like punching holes in that wall. It's like removing bricks from the wall. And wherever you remove a brick, there's a breach, right? There's a breach. What happens when there's a breach in a dam? Eventually, the dam will break. If the breach isn't repaired, the dam will break. So when we choose to walk away, when we choose to embrace sin or embrace things that are displeasing to him, we're sort of knocking holes in our wall of protection. And that's, not, that's nothing like, you know, you don't have to be perfect. Are you expected to be perfect? No, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. But he does have us, he does expect us to have hearts of passion for him. He does expect us to be sold out to him. He does expect us to try to change the things that need to be changed so that we can live according to his, wor his word. So when we acknowledge his way, when we, sort of, when we turn around, that's like rebuilding the wall. 
So we're going to go to Nehemiah. Chapter 4. We're going to start in, in verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. It says they're right there. It says they're right there. With all their heart. With all their heart. That's a passionate pursuit, saints. That's a passionate pursuit. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Amorites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls were gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. See, Satan doesn't like it when you close the gaps. Satan doesn't like it when you come to a compromise in your life and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Satan doesn't like it when you're complacent about something and all of a sudden you decide to have passion and change it. That doesn't make him happy because you're repairing the gaps. Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. You know, when you go on with God, so many people in this church, you know why they're having trouble? Because they've gone on with God. <laughs> because they are following with him with passion, and it makes the devil mad. And he comes out full bore against you because he's not happy. And he wants to get you to change your mind. Well, I'm not changing my mind. Amen. Jesus is faithful to me. And I choose to be faithful to him. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble. The devil loves to stir up trouble in your life. The devil loves to set people against you. What you need to remember is it's never the person that's against you. It's a spiritual motivation. A person is never your enemy, but a spirit is. So they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Saints, it's time to post a guard. It's time to quit letting the devil run roughshod. It's time to arm ourselves and post a guard. Because we serve a faithful God. And we serve a God who is saying to us in the coming year that when we stand firmly for him, that he will be a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. You see, what is that? 
What is that? That's doubt. That's unbelief. That's discouragement. Do you ever get discouraged? Does anyone in here other than me ever get discouraged? <laughs> Does anybody in here ever have a moment of doubt? Well, see, that, that's real life, right? But we have a God who is an answer to that. We have a God who loves us so much that he's already won the war. He already sent Jesus to die, to go to hell, to win the battle. The battle's been won. He lived a resurrected life. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. And here he tells us that he's going to be a rich store for us in times of trouble. You see, the trouble is not bigger than us. It's bigger than we. The trouble's not bigger than we. You know what the real issue is? It's where we've chosen to compromise. Where we've chosen to become complacent. You know, you're only as strong, and, and I'm not saying this like in a negative way, but you're only as strong as the area of your first compromise. That's the truth. You're only as strong as where you've chosen to give in and be complacent. Because God's word never fails. Regardless of what it looks like, God's word never fails. His word is true. It's yes and amen. It accomplishes exactly what it was sent forth to do. He makes sure of it, and he backs it. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. That's what the devil wants to do to you. He has death and destruction, but God has deliverance. We serve a faithful God, a God of deliverance and salvation. We will kill them and we will put an end to the work. That's the in intent of Satan at all times. But you see, he can't because he's not stronger than our Lord and Savior. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Do you ever have people in your life talking defeat? Like you're not going to make it, like you're not going to win? Well, that's just the devil speaking into your ear. And that's not the plan of God for your life. Therefore, this is what we do, and this is what we are going to be required to do in 2020. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places. And that's why it's so important to identify the exposed places. This is not always easy, but it's required. We have got to find the exposed places. We have got to find the breaches in the wall. We have got to find the places where we have compromised or become complacent 
or become discouraged and we are saying God's promises really aren't for me God's promises really are too big they're too good they're, and I'm never going to get there any area where we are choosing not to agree with the fullness of Christ in our lives any area where we choose to accept lack any area where we choose a broken situation instead of his wholeness and we say that's okay because that's life well that's a lot it's not life it's the way that people choose to live here on this earth sometimes but it is not the resurrected life that Christ died to give each and every one of us and it is time to wake up and say, I am only going to live in the ascended life. I am only going to live in the resurrected life. I am only going to receive the fullness that God destined me to have. I am a blood-bought child of a living God. And he has good things for me. Not lack. He has wholeness. He takes ashes and turns them into beauty. <laughs> Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And I looked things over. After I looked things over, I stood up. You see what he's doing right there? He says, after I looked things over. That means we take an account, doesn't it? That means we take an account. You know, that's not a bad thing. That's not anything to be scared of. That's a good thing. Because if we are brave enough to take an account, if we are brave enough, if we have the courage to take an account, of where things are lacking. He'll make them right. The windows of heaven are open. They're not shut. You know, we studied last Sunday, this last Sunday, about the ladder from heaven to earth. And the angels are ascending and descending, bringing us the very resources of heaven. They belong to us. When we're born again, they belong to us. So it's not a scary thing to take an account. It's a joyous event. I'm going to take an account and I'm going to trust God. And he's going to turn it into something beautiful. Thank you, Lord. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families. That's specific. Do any of you have unsafe people in your families? Do you have issues in your families where you don't see the fullness of God? Well, he's saying fight for them. Fight for them. Quit giving up. Because... 
God doesn't have a shortfall for them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And what he's saying is when you do that, you will enter into the fullness of God in your life. In those areas where you choose to believe God. It's simply a matter of are you going to choose to believe God? Are you going to take him as the foundation for your time? When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And, it, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. He's not really saying it's always easy. It takes effort on our part, saints. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you will fight for us and that as a matter of fact, you have already won the battle. That you have already won the battle on my behalf. And all I need to do is be sold out to you. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. So the year of 2020, beloved, is going to be a time to return with passion unto the things of God. Return with passion unto our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Return with a passion to do things his way. We need to get rid of all the religious walk, the religious mentality, the works mentality, the poverty mentality, the I'm just getting by mentality because that is not fullness in my book. That is not the fullness of Christ. What did the scripture say at the beginning? It says that those that fear him lack no good thing. They lack no good thing. So we need to quit just sort of like being okay with getting out and getting along, being okay with the status quo. I choose to go after an ascended life. Does everybody understand what I mean when I say that? An ascended life, all the richness of God, not just in some areas of my life, in every single area of my life, Spirit-filled living. The goodness of God being poured out into my life. Every day in every way. I don't want to be satisfied with the normal. I don't want to be satisfied with the natural because I don't serve a normal, natural God. Amen. I said we serve a 
supernatural God. And he has the supernatural existence for me here. Psalm 27 says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This isn't something that you just like get born again, then you go to heaven and everything's going to be great there. Yeah, everything's going to be great there. But we can live great here. So we need to seek it out. We need to seek out and find out. where we're compromising, where we're complacent, where we've become discouraged. We need to seek out the places that are keeping us out of the storehouse because God's not keeping us out of the storehouse. He's not the one. He's not that mean. <laughs> he doesn't have this storehouse and say, oh, yeah, come a little closer. Come on. Come a little closer. Nope. I'm shutting the door on you right before you get there. Uh-uh. <laughs> we, see, we don't serve that kind of a God. So we need to find these places. We need to root out these places. We need to station the guards like they did around the wall where the breaches were made. And we need to stay armed and ready and rebuild and hand it over and say, okay, God, I want everything you have for me. I want everything you have for me in 2020. Because your word says I can have it. You didn't, Jesus didn't die to keep it from me. What does the scripture say? It says that Jesus gave us the glory that God gave him. Was well, there a place you're not living in his glory? Well, then we've all got a little work to do. Right? We've all got a little believing to do. I got a little believing to do. I got a little faith. Because we need to get rid of this passionless existence. We need to reignite our faith. We need to have a fresh on fire faith. A fresh on fire faith. Fresh on fire faith. Faith for the best of God. Faith for the most of God. Not just getting by faith. Not just getting by faith. You know, we've all heard this phrase that says, eh, that's life. I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase. That's life. You know, because you know what someone really means when they're saying that's life? They're saying, I don't really see the promise of God in my life. And that's just, I live in this world here, so I'm just going to settle for that never settled for anything in my life and I'm not about to start now. You know, before I was saved, it was it was different. It was like I would just work really hard and I was determined to get the best of the best and I was determined to go for the best and I did it in my own works. Thank God now I don't have to do it in my own works because I have a loving, faithful, and kind God. Hallelujah. So when we do that, when we sell out to God, when we have a passionate pursuit for his presence in our lives, a passionate pursuit for his presence in our lives, we receive his promises. A rich 
store, a sure foundation. And we need to be intentional. We need to be deliberate about this, saints. We need to rend our hearts and return to our first love in the fear of the Lord and allow him to correct anywhere where we've gotten off course. Anywhere. Even in the smallest areas of our lives. It's time to stand firmly and believe as he believes. Which he's shown us in his word. It's really easy. So anyway, I'm going to go through Isaiah 33. We're going to go through almost the whole thing. And as we do this, saints, I want you to remember something. We still serve a God who parted the Red Sea. We still serve a God who dried up the Jordan. We still serve a God who walks on water. We still serve a God who fought tens of thousands with an army of 301. We still serve a God who made the sun stand still. Did you all know that? He made the sun stand still. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the God I serve. We still serve a God who said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's what we're being called to do in 2020. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. So Isaiah 33, verse 2. Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in time of distress. At the uproar of your army, the people flee. When you rise up, the nations scatter. How do you let him rise up in your life? How do you let him rise up in your life? You believe him. You believe what his word says. Your plunder, O nations, is harvested in us by young locusts like a swarm of locusts. People pounce on it. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation of your time. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. That's the key scripture. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Now will I rise, says the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I be lifted up. And then he goes into a few verses here in verse 11 and on. And these are for people who choose not to call on his name. So don't don't be worried by these scriptures. Because when you call on his name, it's a different story. You conceive chaff, you give birth to straw. Your breath is a fire that consumes you. The peoples will be burned to ashes like cut thorn bushes. They will be set ablaze. You who are far away, hear what I have done. You see, here's the deal. Even if we haven't called on the Lord yet, as Lord and Savior, he never turns away. He never walks away. He never stops loving. Regardless of what we do, he loves us no matter what. No matter what. That doesn't mean that he's always pleased with what we do. 
But he never removes his love from us, ever. Ever. You who are near, acknowledge my power. The sinners in Zion are terrified, trembling grips the godless. And now this, this is a promise. This is awesome. This is beautiful. For those who love and fear the Lord. Who of us can dwell with a consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Those who walk righteously and speak what is right. Does that mean you do what's perfect? Does that mean you're perfect? Does that mean you don't make mistakes? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means you're acknowledging the Lord. Those who walk righteously and speak what is right, who reject gain from extortion and keep their hands from accepting bribes, who stop their ears against plots of murder and shut their eyes against contemplating evil, they are the ones who will dwell on the heights, whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. And then he gives us our promise. He gives us hope. He tells us what our future is like. He says their bread will be supplied. Does that sound like a rich store to you? It does to me. It says their bread will be supplied. And water will not fail them. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And view a land that stretches afar. In your thoughts, you will ponder the former terror. What does that mean? That means that the terror is not near you now. It means it's just that. It's former terror. Former, before, but it does not come nighty. Where is that chief officer? Where is the one who took the revenue? Where is the officer in charge of the towers? You will see those arrogant people no more. People whose speech is obscure and whose language is strange and incomprehensible. That means counter to the word of God. That's what it means to be strange and incomprehensible to talk. Look on Zion. These are for people who draw near. Look on Zion, the city of our festivals. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceful abode. Who here wants to dwell in peace? I do. You see, it's a promise. When my pursuit is Jesus, when my passion is Jesus, when I am unafraid to take a microscope or a looking glass and look at the things where I could draw closer to him or do better, he gives me a peaceful abode. A tent that will not be moved. Its stakes will never be pulled up. Does that sound like a sure foundation to you? It sounds like a sure foundation to me. Nor any of its ropes broken. There the Lord will be our mighty one. It will be a place of broad rivers and streams. Thank you, Lord. No galley with oars will ride them. No mighty ship will sail them. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. Thank you, Lord. Does that sound like the salvation of the Lord to you? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Your rigging hangs loose. The mast is not held secure. The sail is not spread. 
then an abundance of spoils will be divided and even the lame will carry off plunder. Wow. No one living in Zion will say I am ill. And the sins of all who dwell there will be forgiven. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says that when we return to him, when we repent, when we lay it down, that he forgets the sin. He doesn't even remember it. If you want him to remember it, you're going to have to bring it up with him. Because it says that it's as far as the east is from the west. So River City Church, this is for us. This is for us going into a new decade. This is for us going into a new year. It doesn't mean that the attacks don't come. It doesn't mean that we might not sail through difficulties. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, when we're willing to quit the compromise, when we're willing to allow the complacent areas to burn a new passion, a fire for him, he becomes a rich store. He is a sure foundation for our times, a rich store of salvation in every area of wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Who here needs wisdom and knowledge? I want wisdom and knowledge. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says that he will counsel you with a loving eye upon you. He counsels you with a loving eye. He is gracious and compassionate, full of mercy, slow to anger, abounding in love. For those who draw nigh to him, for those who choose to rediscover their first love, a burning, passionate love for Jesus Christ. Like we talked on Sunday, who get rid of that lukewarm existence. Who stand on the living word of our Lord Jesus. The promise is sure. The promise is sure. The promise is sure. This is a surety. No ifs, ands, or buts. It means we do have to get rid of some things, right? What have we been talking about? You know, sometimes it's relationships. I'm just going to talk to you, youth here for a minute. Sometimes there are relationships in your life, and you know what? They seem like pretty great, but they're really pulling you away from the things of God. Tempting you to do things you know you shouldn't do. And it's time to lay them down. Because what's your one job? What is your one job at this point in your life? One thing. One thing only. One job. It's to look up. It's to look at the Lord. Because if you look at the Lord and you figure out what the Lord wants you to do in your life, everything here is all going to fall into place. And it is going to be more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. But until you figure out what the Lord wants you to do, all these other things down here, that doesn't mean you can't have friends. It's not like that. But you want to choose your friends wisely. You want to choose your friends who are also interested in knowing what God wants for their lives. Right? 
Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Yeah. Because, see, God only has good things for you. And people, unfortunately, a lot of times have their own self-interest in mind. God never has his own self-interest in mind. He has your interest in mind. And you keep your eyes on him, and at the right time, he's going to bring the right people, and it'll be a beautiful situation. But until then, until you figure out what he wants you to do, you just keep focused there. You just keep your looking up there. Quit looking here. Quit looking here where you can be pulled off track. And that doesn't mean you're mean to people, by the way. That means you, it doesn't mean you don't love people. You can, lo- you can love people but not take them into your inner circle, not take their advice, not take their counsel. You know, sometimes you'll have a friend, and it's kind of like a sheep's and wolf's clothing. They're, they're a nice person, but they're just sort of drawing you off track. It's not the perfection that God has for you. And it's okay okay at that point to kind of walk at an arm's distance. So it means we're going to have to start laying some things down. It might be habits. It might be crutches. You know, feeling sorry for herself, that's a crutch. Not feeling worthy, that's a crutch. God never created a person who is unworthy or that needs to have a low self-esteem. Christ obviously thought you were worthy because he died for you. And when we find our value in Christ, when we find our value in who we are in Christ, that's when we start living life. So, you know, we have to lay down some crutches. It might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be feeling sorry for yourself, it might be creating yourself to be a victim all the time. All sorts of things. You know, unforgiveness can be a crutch. Because if you walk in unforgiveness, you can blame somebody else for your situation in life. That's a big one. And it also means we're going to have to start doing some things. We're going to have to be courageous. We're going to have to change some things. We have to read the Word. This is the word. This is what I call the word, the Bible. We have to read this. And you know what's even more important? You have to believe it. When it says that whatsoever things you believe you can have, you have to take God at his word. When we believe according to the will of God, and don't let the world talk you out of it. Hallelujah. It means speaking the word in times of difficulty. When you see something in your life that doesn't pair up with the word, it means speaking to that thing and believing the word and speaking out the word even when people think, you know, that you're crazy. It means putting on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6.10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Never against flesh and blood. Never. 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. You stand. You rebuild the wall. You stand on the word. You take faith. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What's the first part of that verse? Submit yourselves to God. So saints, beloved, this is twofold. You see, there's a grand and glorious promise that God is giving us for 2020. He will be our storehouse. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That he is a rich store of salvation in every area of our lives. No holds barred. Every area. I'm not giving the devil an inch. I will submit to God. I will do it his way. I will let him root out the places where I've compromised. I will let him root out where I'm not believing perfectly in line with his word. I will let him root out where I have become discouraged. And I will say no more. I'm going to go on with you, God. And you know what I expect as a result? I know what I will receive as a result. And that is your rich store. That is the ascended life here on earth. I don't have to wait to heaven to get it. But we are living in a more and more difficult time. And it's becoming darker and darker. But you know what? The light of God ever shines. And where his light is, no darkness can exist. Right? Where the light of God is, no darkness can exist. So if we keep our eyes on him and him only, we are heirs to this promise, aren't we? The rich store of salvation and wisdom. I need wisdom. You know, Jeremiah 33 Verse 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Thank you, Lord, that you in 2020 are going to show me great and unsearchable things that I do not know because I choose to be submitted in every area of my life. Okay. So that's the word that the Lord has given me to give you as we enter into the new decade.